Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Uh, Just some breaking news. The uh, CBO score has uh, come out, and the CBO has said that the infrastructure bill will add $256 billion billion to the federal deficit over the next decade. Uh, So that's part of that whole scoring process, and so it's probably uh, kind of middle ground, I think, uh, as I we said during the last segment, that uh, it's it's not anything that those who drafted the bill were shocked by, uh, nor those who are against the bill uh, can really rally a whole lot around. So we'll see uh, what happens there as it relates to the vote. If they get to, to kind of a voterama overnight tonight, or whether they do that tomorrow to deal with amendments and then on to a uh, final vote on the one point two trillion dollar. Bill, uh, in the meantime, uh, we're going to go to uh, one of our great inside sources in Washington, D.C. Andy Field joins us uh, from ABC. Uh, earlier today, actually about a half hour or so ago, President Biden signed an executive order uh, relating to electric vehicles and emissions goals. Andy, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Boyd. Yeah, this was, this was interesting. He had on board all the major car makers in the U.S., GM, uh, the parent company of Chrysler and Ford, on the South Lawn, and then, of course, the president, who loves cars, took one of those uh, electric Jeeps for a spin around the uh, the White House South Lawn, which he always loves to do. Uh, but this is, a, this is a really interesting. You know, you think back about major changes in transportation or any technology in this country, and you think back to the horse and buggy days. And the reason that, that cars got a slow start was that there was no place to put gas in them. You know, you could only take them so far, and then you get to a place where there was no gas. Well, the same thing is a problem for electric cars. Right. Uh, there just aren't enough charging stations. So that's part of his infrastructure bill that you were just talking about, uh, that they're going to build a network of this around the country. And he uh, set a goal of 40 to 50% of all new cars by 2030 uh, to be electric cars, to get rid of emissions, to make things, um, uh, you know, to, to cut pollution and uh, cut the carbon footprint here. Uh, everyone seemed to be on board with it, but it's also uh, a big job creator because you have to build a whole infrastructure of everything else that goes into that, building the batteries, building the semiconductors that we're having a shortage of here in the United States. So he was pretty excited about this, and yeah. uh, there seems to be a whole lot of other people who are excited about it, too. <laughs> Including, the, uh, the, as you mentioned, the, the three major car makers uh, getting on board there, and of course, uh, they would be interested as there are government subsidies for, uh, you know, consumers to buy those and uh, different things to, to roll that out. Uh, I know there was only one uh, car company that I think was a, a little uh, put off that they were not invited uh, to the Rose Garden for the uh, signing today. And that was uh, Elon Musk and uh, his uh, friends at Tesla. Yeah, they're already they're already doing pretty well on their own, but yeah, it's, it's well, he's too busy going into space. He doesn't have time for this down to earth stuff. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's really interesting how how they're working on this here. And of course, uh, the reason that these 
car makers are signing on so quickly is that Joe Biden has promised that he's going to replace most of the fleet of federal vehicles with electric cars. That's 600,000 vehicles. Wow. That's a nice sales payday for those, <laughs> for those companies. So why wouldn't you sign on for that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you look at, uh, obviously, a, uh, an executive order, this one's uh, not one of those binding things. And so uh, there has been some skepticism out there. I think uh, Dan Becker, uh, who's with the Safe Climate Transportation Campaign, uh, he he was uh, less than positive. He he said uh, that the plan from the president relies on unenforceable voluntary commitments from unreliable car makers, voluntary pledges by auto companies, uh, make a New Year's weight loss resolution look like a legally binding contract. Yeah, he's, are he's we a little better that than that? Right. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got that about right. Well, there's you know it's financial incentives. You you look at. How many electric vehicles or hybrids you see? I, I've got a hybrid. I don't think I'd ever go back. Mm. You know, my, my hybrid gets 45 to 50 miles a gallon. I fill up my tank once every couple of weeks. Yeah. So, you know, the it's really more market-driven than anything else. Uh, the reason electric vehicles haven't, haven't exploded the way you think they explode is that they're not that great for long-distance driving. You have to get at the other end and plug the thing in for right. many, many hours before you can keep going. Right. And so that that's an issue that they've got to deal with. But other than that, um, you know, there there are financial incentives for everyone to do these things. And uh, the president knows that. He also knows that this is going to help create jobs, or at least he thinks it is. Remember, he also brought this up, which was, was kind of interesting. Um, and, and we all have such short memories. But back in 2008, when he and Barack Obama first took office, the auto industry was in free fall. I mean, they, they were, GM, Ford, and Chrysler were about to go out of business. Right. And, uh, you know, he and uh, the president, along with Democrats who were in control back then, bailed them out much to the outcry of conservatives and Republicans who said, this is ridiculous, you're wasting your money. All that money has been paid. Uh, we can see that there are millions of people that are still working because of that action. And uh, Joe Biden says, I think this is, he thinks this is the same kind of visionary thing we need to do now that we did back in 2008. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, And as you said, Andy, how that gets to the market and uh, whether that uh, government uh, investment and partnership accelerates that, accelerates both the technology uh, and the availability as well as the space for consumers to say, yeah, that's that's a good uh, investment for me or that will work for me, uh, whether I'm driving to work or driving uh, across the country, if it uh, if there's the convenience factor there that uh, that we always have to have. Uh, Andy, before I let you go, just real quick, because I know you're uh, in the middle of the middle of all things infrastructure. Uh, anything you're hearing uh, in Washington today as uh, we kind of get towards the end of the first round of this, the, the $1.2 yes. trillion. As a, as a matter of fact, our fine congressional producers just sent me an email uh, that said it looks like the vote could come Saturday, okay. um, which if that's the case, that's a giant bill. And there's, But, you know, the, the funny thing is with all of this, all this money is, is it's going to be like, oh, we just opened the, uh, the, our, our checkbook and start spending the money. It doesn't work quite as easily as that, as you've seen with this um, – rental assistance that they're trying to get out. There's $45 billion in rental assistance that was passed, not by Joe Biden's administration, but by Donald Trump back in December. And only $3 billion of that has gotten out so far, which is extraordinary because there's a lot of people who need this stuff. It's just it's either too hard to get a hold of because of the red tape. 
yeah. or because states' bureaucracy are slowing it up. So voting for this is one thing. Getting it actually to jobs and uh, shovels in the ground is something quite something quite else. Yeah, that's right. So one thing we've learned over the last decade, that uh, shovel-ready uh, may be uh, a long-term thing. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Andy Field, uh, always appreciate your insight. Thanks for joining us from D.C. today. Thanks, Boyd. All right. Again, that's Andy Field from uh, ABC. And it, it will be fascinating to see how this all plays out. Again, uh, you know of my distaste for all things executive order. Uh, I think both political parties have abused that, presidents of both political parties. Uh, it's not how things are supposed to be done. And uh, getting it done through the Congress uh, gives it the better opportunity to succeed and be sustainable. Uh, but it will be interesting to see. Again, it looks like the uh, automakers are on board. Of course, uh, as Andy mentioned, if it is true that the government is going to overhaul uh, all of its vehicles to electric, that's a, that may be incentive enough for a lot of these uh, auto manufacturers to get on board with this kind of thing because that could be uh, trillions of dollars for them uh, in uh, purchases from the government. Uh, and again, this is always part of our discussion. We've been going through the day today uh, of we always have to check it out. You know, who's sponsoring that ad? Who's giving voice to that? Who's showing up for the signing? Uh, often it's those who uh, stand to benefit the most from it. And uh, that should cause all of us to look in and uh, look a little closer uh, as we assess. Is this a good thing for me, for my family, my community, and for the country as a whole uh, spending is spending, folks, and we're sitting at $30 trillion, so we got to really assess it and uh, look at it close. All right, we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to talk about this issue of over-specialization. Have we lost the Renaissance woman and the Renaissance man? And what does that mean to us? We're going to go to an Olympic example of that coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.